chapter 3, and when you arrive in Galatians chapter 3, may we start our reading together in verse 22, Galatians chapter 3, and starting in just a few moments, Lord's will, in verse 22, I'm always humbled to have the opportunity to stand before you. And I'm always thankful for everyone present, for your sacrifice to be present, and for the visitors that have come our way. We are always indeed thankful for all. And we recognize you and we commend you this morning. So happy to be together. Thankful for the card that I received this week on behalf of my youngest little boy, Jacob, that has been dealing with pneumonia, viral pneumonia, for some time now. That's a scary situation, but he's doing really well. The medicine seemed to be working well. His breathing treatments seem to be assisting him. He's still not completely out of the woods, but I'd say he's three-fourths and well on his way. He goes back this coming Friday, and we'll know for sure. But thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your kindness, and thank you for the card. It's on the kitchen table this morning. It'll be displayed there for some time, and then it will be kept with the others to enjoy through the years. So I appreciate your kindness. And also, I have a request. This week, I found out unexpectedly that Brother Mike Rudder, who was a very, very important part of the Mount Zion Church of Christ down home, had a heart attack down in Florida and passed away unexpectedly at 69 years old. He always spent the winters with his wife, Neva, down in Lake Wells, Florida. And also, I believe, in a town called Clewiston around that area. And that terrible and sad news came up Tuesday. And his memorial service, his visitation is tomorrow night. And the funeral's 11 a.m. that hour Tuesday morning. And there's a lot of heavy hearts, my heart included. So I ask for your prayers on behalf of Mike Rudder, Neva, and the Rudder family, the Mount Zion congregation, and those that will be participating in that funeral. He'll be greatly missed, but he was a faithful man. Led in prayer, taught Bible study class, worked in Bible school, was willing and faithful, and sure set an example for me and others. And I'm happy to report that that example will live on but we'll miss him. 
And I ask for your prayers in that very difficult situation. Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 22. And always do me a favor. Please always realize that I am just like you. I am a human being. And I make all kinds of mistakes. So when you come together and we have our lessons, always follow in your Bible. Make sure that what I tell you is what the Bible says. I know we love one another. I love you dearly, but don't take my word. Your soul is that important to read for yourself. I would never mislead you on purpose, but I could make a mistake. I'm very much capable of doing so and do it daily. So please follow along with me. Read these Scriptures for yourself and make sure what is being taught is indeed exactly what the Bible says with the proper application. But the Scripture has concluded all under sin. But the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now look at verse 28 of the same chapter. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one. Where? Where's that location? In Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. There's the fulfillment of the prophecy of old. In Christ. And better yet, you're in line to receive something. You're an heir according to the promise. The promise is the just shall live by faith. You can be justified in the sight of God. Likened unto you never sinned if you're in Christ Jesus and covered fully by His righteousness. And He died and shed His blood to make this possible unto them, verse 22, Galatians 3, unto them that believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust His Word? Now I was jokingly going to say we'll stand and sing now. We'll bring the lesson to a close after that. That says it all, doesn't it? And that's a sermon in itself. That understanding is crucial and fundamental to our Christian faith and belief. But the Bible teaches further. So let's continue to investigate and study this topic of being justified by faith. Made right in the sight of God once again. Having our sins remitted, washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the promise, the inheritance 
given unto all, A-L-L, all, both Jew and Gentile, who do something. They believe. Believing takes doing. It goes hand in hand. If I believe in something, I'm willing to be obedient, direct, and faithful to what I believe. Again, here's an example. If I believe in my marriage, my performance will be reflected in my marriage. I can say I believe in it, but my wife will want to see action. She'll want to see purpose. She will want to see more than mere words. We can be like demons. We can believe and shudder, but we want to be more. We want to believe with purpose, trust, obedience, faithfulness. Do you believe in Jesus? In the book of Romans, please. Third chapter. Appreciate Brother Robbins in the fifth chapter. The book of Romans in his meditation, his reading this morning. Did a fantastic job. And it's funny how the Lord works. I give him all the credit. I didn't call Brother Robbins this week. I didn't tell him what I was preaching about. But what he taught and shared with us, guess what? Correlates perfectly what I'm going to be teaching about as well. Who's really in control? I believe it's God. How about you? Do you know the hymn, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus"? And the words of that hymn says, "How I proved Him over and over." Well, there's another example: God being proved over and over. He is true. He is right, and He's in charge. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, please. And we will focus through the entirety of this chapter. Starting in verse 19. I'm a Bible preacher. Are you a Bible Christian? Don't we enjoy reading and teaching and learning more about the Bible? After all, the Bible's the standard. And in the fullness of time, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to give an account of our lives according to what the Bible says. Not the opinions of society or the wisdom of men. We're going to give an account to what truly matters. What the Bible says. So shouldn't we preach the Bible? Shouldn't we read the Bible? Shouldn't we study and strive to rightly divide the Word? We'll strive to do just that. 
this morning and every morning that we're blessed to be together. Romans chapter 3 and verse 19. Now we know the apostle speaking to Christian people in the church at Rome. We know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. That makes sense. The Mosaic law was a covenant with the Israeli people. Therefore, they were responsible to the law. That's what Paul said. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That's what the law does. If you're ignorant of God's commands, you don't know any better. But when the law tells you right and wrong, what to do and what not to do, gives you examples, commands, and necessary inferences, well, the mouth stops then. You can't say, I didn't know. Because now you're responsible. You've been told. And the whole world was taught right and wrong through law. Therefore, Guilty before God. No one could keep it. Under the Mosaic Law, needed a deliverer, needed a Messiah, a mercy seat, if you will. Think about the Day of Atonement. And think about the mercy seat. And now, think about Jesus Christ. Grace and mercy under a new covenant. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds, the doings of law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by law is the knowledge of sin. That's what the old law did. No one could keep it besides Jesus. And if you were guilty in the smallest part, terribly, you were guilty of all. But it taught us. It taught the Israeli individuals right and wrong. It brought God's commands to them and it made them aware. Verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God without law is manifest. We have something better under the New Testament than the Mosaic Law. Manifest. That means it's right before our eyes. Being witnessed by the Law and the Prophets. In the long, long ago, the Mosaic Law and the Prophets. Now, Prophets were active in the patriarchal age and also under the Law of Moses. So when you see law and prophets, the Bible is referring to the entirety of the Old Testament. Both patriarchal, such as Abraham's day, and then law of Moses, such as David's day. It's made manifest, and it was talked about by them even. They prophesied. The law taught about the Messiah. Regarding a deliverer, 
One who would come and be for all peoples and save them from their sins. The law testified to that. And God brought it into course through the death, burial, and resurrection of His precious Son. And guess what happened? The veil was torn, separating two covenants. Jesus said, It is finished, ushering in a new, better, and living way. And those handwritten ordinances of the old, they were nailed to the cross. And something infinitely better, the perfect law of liberty, Christ's law, the New Testament, came into effect. If you would like to read more about that, Ephesians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 2, that's easy to remember, teaches us about that. Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 9 as well. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But with that shedding of blood, what is old is waxing so and will soon vanish. That means to go away. Verse 22, Even the righteousness of God, this is Romans 3 and verse 22, which is by faith, not just any faith, of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. We allude to it all the time. No favoritism with God. Not a respecter of persons. Peter perceives such. Perceives such, excuse me. And here once again the Apostle Paul says the same thing. When I want somebody to know something at work, or when I was teaching school when I was privileged to do so for a short period of time, and something was really important, it was going to be on the test, you know what I did? I taught it every day. Over and over and over and over again. So I wanted to make an imprint. And I do it even today. Like that. Some people would say, you're hitting me on the head with that. Or you're beating a dead horse. That's the expressions that we use. Well, the Bible is doing just that. There is no difference. That's because Jewish individuals were saying otherwise at this time. They were saying to Gentile individuals, yes, the gospel is for all, but we're still a little better than you. We are sons and daughters of Abraham. You're not. And Paul says, dismiss that over and over and over again. Get it through. There is no difference between the two. There's no male and female. Galatians 3, 28-29. There's no Jew and Gentile. All are one. No bond and free. All are equal in the sight of God. Salvation is for all. And here's the qualifier. Here's what you have to believe. In Jesus he is righteousness. 
He's the only way. Don't trust in Abraham. Don't trust in Moses. Don't trust in an outdated system that was nailed to the cross. Come to Jesus. Come and see. For all have sinned and fallen short or come short of the glory of God. Here's His expectations and here am I. I want to see that again. Here's God's expectations. Here's Brother Baker. And just keep on going down toward the floor. I can't meet it. If I could, I'd be perfect and I'd keep the old law. It wouldn't bother me that if I was guilty in one facet, I'm guilty of all. I've got this. No, I don't. I need a Messiah. I need a Savior. I need someone to help me. I'm humble enough to search. I need someone to advocate to the Father on my behalf. He is high and I am low. I need someone to forgive me when I have a misstep. And boy, I find myself misstepping all the time. So I need someone that is full of grace and mercy as well. And Jesus fits the bill. If you listed all those, just draw the lines to Jesus back and forth. He fits them all. He died in our place. God allowed. And I realize that I have come short. I'm still falling short of the glory of God. Does not bother me to say that in the least. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we will never say unto Him, please allow me to tell you what a great job I've done all my life. Have you got time, Lord, to sit down and let me explain why you should let me into heaven? No one will say that. Here's what we'll say. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Do you realize that God knows the very thoughts of your heart? He knows the grains of sand on the beach. We went to the Isle of Palms last year in South Carolina when Kobe was little. It's a beautiful beach. He knows every little grain. That's hard to wrap your mind around. He knows the hairs. That's easy on me. Mine's going back. But he still knows it. I can't hide from him. When I realize that he knows everything, I think I'm in trouble. Because I think a lot of things I shouldn't. I have to catch myself. But he knows. Faith in him, trusting in him, accepting his righteousness on his terms. That's what it's all about. Putting our opinions aside, especially if that opinion flies in the face of what the Bible says. I've had to do that. As you continue to study, sometimes you find out that what you were taught doesn't match up. Happened in my life for 20 years. I practiced some doctrines that I learned differently about. So I was tasked with a choice. Will I put my faith and trust in God or will I follow my own understanding? Which one is right? Brothers and sisters, friends, God is always right. 
If it comes to that standing in life, please make the wise decision to turn your thought processes over to what the Bible says. Now there's liberation in that. There's freedom in that. Because you know. I know that what I'm doing is pleasing and right in His eyes. I don't have to place my head on the pillow at night. No promise of tomorrow. And worry for a second if my worship and service and adoration unto God is right. Because He said it was. And it didn't come from me. It came from the justifier of all men's souls. Book, chapter, verse, and faith in that the same for all. And humility when we read verses like Romans 3.23. Can you assist someone with the gospel that is arrogant, unhumble, and unwilling to obey? Can you assist someone that blasphemes the Holy Spirit by calling God's Word a lie? We have to humble ourselves. And with gratitude and humility, take in the engrafted Word which is able to save our very souls. James 1, 21. Engrafted. Well, I love that scripture, don't you? I believe the Word. I take it into my heart, my spiritual self, and it takes hold. And it molds. Where I live, it floods. So not only do I live on a big hill, but when you get down to the bottom, you worry about flooding. We wanted to change it. We got it. When it rained pretty heavily the other week, there was a root that washed into my fence we built, a four-strand barbed wire fence. And it got engrafted. I think about that. I think about the Bible in everyday life. So I had to put my waders on and my boots had come to here and unengraft that root from my fence before it broke it. And it wasn't easy because it took hold. That's what God wants the Word to do in your life. He wants to be like that root caught up in the barbed wire. Maybe a poor example. But it made sense to me as I saw it. Number one, that changed the structure of the barbed wire. It's all out of sorts. And it needs some new staples down here. And it took me some time to saw it out. Just brute strength alone wasn't going to do it. I needed help. I had to employ help. That's what God's Word does. It teaches the value of one another. The value of His body, the church. How we lean on one another, ultimately on Him, the great physician. And it changes your life if you allow it. God's not going to do that for you. He's not going to take your free will and say, you will obey me. That would make Him unfair and a respecter of persons. Instead, He has given us all an opportunity equal the words are for all. Will you obey them? The choice comes to you. We sing invitation hymns such as, What shall your answer be? Or such as, What will you do with Jesus? He's standing in Pilate's hall. 
What will you do? And then we ask the question, what will He do with me? Because we're going to stand and He knows whether you took advantage or you disobeyed Him. All have fallen short of the glory of God. If you're trying to save yourself by good works, it's impossible. If you're trying to save yourself by law-keeping of the Old Testament, it's impossible. If you're trying to save yourself by some other method than what Jesus has prescribed, He's the great physician. If He is the great definite article physician, then He can prescribe the way to have your sin sickness dealt with. And that's by coming to Him. Taking advantage of His blood sacrifice and being buried with Him into His death and rising out of that watery grave a new creation born again. Down in Laurel County we say born. Born again of the water and of the Spirit. I know that's not correct, but it sounds good. Born again. That's preaching there. We'll say it correctly. Born again of the water and of the Spirit. It's simple, but it takes a life dedication. It's easy to come to Jesus, but are you willing to live a life of faithfulness all the days forward? There's where the work's at. Are you willing to work out your salvation with both fear and trembling day in and day out? Are you willing, as Jesus said, to take up your cross and follow Me? We can believe, repent, confess, and be baptized right now in the next 15 minutes. That is not hard. God has made it easy and we're thankful. But for the rest of your life, guess who set their sights on you? Well, you turned your back on Satan and the world and they don't like it. So Satan will set his sights on you once you become a Christian. He would love to destroy you spiritually. He knows his destiny. Wouldn't he love for you to join him in a lake of fire that was originally prepared for Satan and his servants, his angels? But that will be our eternal abode if we disobey the gift of grace taught freely to all in the pages of Scripture. Live that Christian life. I want to invite you to come back this evening as we explore the rest of this chapter, as we continue to study about the justifier of our faith, Jesus Christ. There's no difference and the Gospel is for all. If you are present this morning and you have a need to respond for your soul's salvation, the terms of pardon have been extended. What will your answer be? Will you respond by faith to God's Word? Will you say, yes, I'm willing to come down that aisle, repent of my sins upon the belief that I have, confess my faith before this congregation, and let Jesus save me in the watery grave of baptism as He washes away my sins because I trusted His Word. If you have a need to respond, please know it would be our joy to assist. And if you've obeyed those blessed commands, but you desire the prayers of Christian people on your behalf, no matter what the need may be, 
We're willing to assist you in those avenues as well to pray with you and for you for restitution in life, spiritual life, or just for a need that you may be dealing with. You don't have to carry it alone. Whatever your need may be, won't you come? As we stand together and sing,